0: Welcome to the philosophy of fighting podcast with your hosts Arturo and Anu. All right
1: hello listeners welcome to the show joining me today is Russ Edwards just a little background info on how I know Russ. Russ is a guy I trained with back in about 2010 probably where even as a blue belt everyone on the mat remembered his name after rolling with him. This guy is now a black belt a mixed martial artist and one of my favorite martial arts personalities because he's as honest and raw as they come. He's known for being an absolute powerhouse on the mat and definitely has many stories from his martial arts and fighting experience. Welcome to the podcast Russ.
2: What's up man happy to be here. Cool cool.
1: So Russ tell us a little bit about What got you into martial arts and fighting? Was there a particular event that happened to you? Like what provoked you to get into it?
2: I started boxing when I was a kid. My uncle was a boxer, so uh, he would show me moves and stuff like that. And uh, I ended up at the Sugar Ray Leonard gym for a little bit in uh, Maryland. And I got into a lot of street fights. uh, So that's kind of why I wanted to start learning how to fight, really. So that's kind of how I got involved in it.
1: How old were you then?
2: about 11 oh wow okay 11 or 12 yeah i was a bad kid man
1: (laughs) (laughs) why why do you think that is
2: it's rough home life man yeah i had a lot of problems at home so i guess just fighting was my outlet at the time
1: cool cool how long have you been training just to give us our our listeners so like you you started at 11 did that kind of continue on like all throughout like did that did you have any laps tell us about like kind of your journey as a martial artist
2: I pretty much trained the whole time doing something, okay. whether it was boxing or wrestling. And then later on, I got into jujitsu, and then like MMA. And I've pretty much been training since I started fighting, like nice. in school.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, you see it all the time. Martial arts is like the ultimate outlet for a lot of different reasons, man. So you mentioned MMA. Like, Tell us about your MMA experience.
2: Uh, The first jiu-jitsu gym I went to was uh, actually an MMA school. Moonlighting as a jiu-jitsu place. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the people that were in there trained were were fighters. Uh, It was uh, San Diego Fight Club, Nel Cajon. Um, And it seems that everybody in there was a fighter, and it was just a natural progression. You know, um, I always wanted to get punched in the face and punch people. So jujitsu just really wasn't enough for me, you know, because I wanted to get hit and stuff like that. So that's Mm kind of how I went into it.
1: As a storied martial artist, what do you think is like your biggest martial arts accomplishment?
2: Getting my black belt for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got it, I think it really meant a lot when you when you had a black belt. You know, everyone, when I was coming up, I looked at black belts as like ninjas, mm-hmm. like these guys that like I would never get to that level because of just the skill they had. I mean, I'm a 300 pound guy and I'm getting mopped up by guys that weigh 150. You know, you just don't think you're going to get to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did that's probably my biggest accomplishment in martial arts. Is, uh, just because, you know, not many people get black belts.
0: For sure. It's, it's for sure. For
2: sure. But it seems like today there's more people getting black belts for some reason. But when I was coming up in the game, it was if you're a black belt, like you're the man, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a testament just to not only, like, your training and technique, but basically, like, how much you can endure.
2: I mean, dude, just being a dude who's, like, 300 pounds, power lifter, like going onto the mat and getting beat up by smaller guys is something that you can't even, if, you, if you're not strong mentally, you're not going to be able to handle that shit. I mean, yeah. I used to get smashed, dude. Like I'd be, i get smashed to the point I'd go in my car and like sob for 15 minutes because I couldn't believe these guys were beating me up and there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. Nothing. You know, so it's, it's kind of an ego crusher. Um, but then for me, I thought if I can learn what they learn and I can smash people then I'll be twice as deadly than they are because I'm heavier. You know, Mm -hmm. at least that's what I thought. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So what advice would you give to a white belt? Someone just starting like jujitsu.
2: I would tell them that don't stay loyal to people who claim they're loyal to you. They're going to have to show you like I've been to seven different schools and I still get a black belt, which is kind of unheard of these days, but I just never bought into the bullshit. Like I always felt like these people aren't really my friends. They're just being my friends because I'm paying them. And once I stop paying them, then I'm no one. And it it happened to me time and time again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say that, that one thing for white belts and also just train with as many people, as many places as you possibly can, because that helped me out a lot. And I learned a lot. So there's nothing that you, that you won't ever see. You know, train with the no gi guys. Train gi. You know, train some striking. Just do everything you can just to be well rounded in what you're doing. That's what I'd say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would say that's great advice. Um, I know, like my experience, even like even if you like stay within your gym with like the same training partners, maybe taking the same classes over and over, I've always found that you can almost like get really good against their type of game. For sure. So, like when I went to my first competition those guys were doing better than me in competition that I was like beating in in, like training all the time. But in competition, it was all these different guys that had different moves and different. So I was like, Oh man, I've got to like really open up who I'm rolling with. I just got to find everybody. So yeah, I think that's great advice.
2: Definitely, man. You gotta, you just gotta get out there and see where you're at and, and just soak up as much as you can. But what happens is those, those schools tell you that you can't train anywhere else. But with me, I've had that said to me so many times and I'm like, look, dude, you can't tell me what to do. Like I can mm-hmm. do whatever the fuck I want. If I want to train with my friends, I'm gonna go train with my friends. If you don't like it, fuck you. There's 50 jujitsu schools in San Diego. I could give a shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where my bad attitude in jiu-jitsu started around that
1: time. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's understandable. Like, it, it's weird when people have that kind of ego and power trip about that. Like, I, I can't imagine, like I would, I would think your martial artist in you comes first, because that would only help sharpen your student, And that would only help sharpen your gym. Like I, I always it's that was always a thing. weird thing.
2: It's a mon- it's a money thing. That's what it's about. As soon as I get it started, getting making being able to make money off of jujitsu, then the whole martial artist bullshit kind of went down the drain. Because now yeah. I have to keep this person because they're paying my bills. So I got to feed their head with as much bullshit as I can, basically brainwash them into mm-hmm. thinking that what I'm teaching is the greatest thing in the world. I mean every jiu-jitsu school teaches the same shit ain't nobody teaching no ninja moves it's the same shit dude. (laughs) like you know what i'm saying and like that's what you have to understand when you're when you're in the game it's all the same dude so if you leave this school and go somewhere else they're teaching you the same shit you know at least least that's how i feel
0: it's fair
1: fair let's say someone who has never fought in their life anything what advice would you give to them like what tip or strategy might you give to them if they found themselves in a fight
2: wow that's a that's a good question and they've never have any fight experience none yeah walk away dude <laughs> oh
1: that's great advice
2: yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm not i'm it, it seems like the guys who don't know how to fight are the first people to fight yeah like,
1: all the time
2: you know and they have the they have the biggest egos and they think that they're you know the greatest fighters but yeah dude, if you have no fighting skill and someone is trying to fight you I mean, I just, I just say walk away. And I don't say walk away too often with, with shit, but that'd be my advice to someone because you never know who you're going against. You might, there might be someone like me or someone like you that has some kind of skill and you can get severely injured because yeah. in the streets, I don't have any mercy. If I fight you, in, if I fight you in the ring, the ref will pull me off. If I fight you on the street, I'm going to stop beating your ass when I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you, that's a risk that you take, but if you have no skill, I'd just say try to get out of there as fast as possible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good advice, man. That's good advice. All right. So uh, if you can like pay tribute to maybe some of the greatest influences to you as like a martial artist, like who influenced you? Who was like motivation for you to start training in whatever particular arts?
2: I think for me, Mike Tyson, man, I remember watching this guy in the 80s and early 90s, just beating the shit out of people like in 30 seconds you buy a pay-per-view back then it was like 50 bucks I'm kind of dating myself but you buy a mm-hmm. 50 buck pay-per-view and his fight lasts 30 seconds you know you're just like fuck dude and like just the ferocity and like the just the anger that he bought in the fighting like I, I love that man just the way he moved like everything his whole attitude was was I wanted to be that guy you know
1: yeah he was the first scariest man I think I would like saw like he was the first person that i saw that i was like oh my god like i'd be scared to be in a room with him
2: yeah dude he's just like he just has that aura you know there's yeah some people like when you're around him and when you see him you're like dude this guy will fucking kill me like he can do anything he wants to me Mm -hmm. you know at this point and like you know i kind of wanted to be like that you know like i want i want to have like a, a presence when i'm around that people know that like I don't fuck around, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think,
1: I, <laughs> knowing you, I think you have that aura, so.
2: <laughs> yeah. i worked many years on that, so I, I think it's, it's finally paying off. <laughs> yeah,
1: oh, that's good. Yeah, I remember when Mike won a heavyweight championship at 19 years old, and I remember looking at him thinking like, oh, my God, that guy's 19? Holy like a grown
2: man, dude. Looks like a fucking ah. grown man, like knocking grown men out, dude. I used to watch his sparring videos, like when he was an amateur. Mm-hmm. And even when he turned pro, dude, people were scared as shit, dude. Like it's kind of like Kimbo, also. Like Kimbo, mm. people were scared of his of his uh persona, not necessarily his skill. Like, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? He had yeah. skill, but it was more like, oh shit, Kimbo, like I'm scared already. So those guys who fought him were they're fighting scared, dude. And you can't yeah. fight scared. Yep. You know what I mean? When, when he fought that dude, Sean Gannon, who had fight, fought in the UFC and was going to trade with him, it was a different fight. That's the first time where he got beat mm-hmm. because Sean Gannon was like, fuck this, I've been hit by dudes like you all the time. So whatever. So then that happened. But, yeah, dude, yeah, that's it right there.
1: Yeah, Mike Tyson's a great one. So uh, how about coaches? Any coaches that you felt like were really big influences on you?
2: Um, Probably my biggest – Influence was Elias as far as uh my jujitsu goes because when you're a heavyweight and you're training with someone that weighs 150, you just don't, you don't, they're not teaching you what you need to know as a heavyweight. And and I I feel that it's like that in in MMA too. Like if you're learning striking from some dude that weighs one, you know, 170 and I'm 265, what we're gonna do is totally different. The flexibility levels are different, the hip movement is different. Everything is different. So I've been training jujitsu. I think I was already, I was already a blue belt when I got to victory and he was the first guy, a big guy that told me to, Hey, smash these motherfuckers. Like before you're scared, you know, you don't want to hurt anyone, you know, but he was like, nah, man, smash these guys. You know, Elias, man, like Mm -hmm. it's all about smashing people. And it's Mm -hmm. all mean, like forearms in the throat, all that shit. I learned from him. And I think at that moment meeting him, I realized that I can be mean and I can just smash the shit out of people. You know what I mean? And and, I, I he, loved made, it, yeah. and he made me play off my back, which is fucking huge. Most heavyweights are shit off their back. We all know this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But he forced me to play off my back. And now I play off my back more than I than I should. And MMA, I don't fuck that. I'm trying to be on top. But yeah. if <laughs> you do, know, I'll, I'll, I'll be on bottom and play the game a little bit. But him, for sure, is the biggest influence. Hmm. yeah I,
1: I give a lot to Elias I, I look at Elias as like my jiu-jitsu father yeah I, I remember like a lot of speeches from him and stuff like it's different now you know like running the gauntlets or those days you know you're being tested for your belt but like you just don't find many instructors like Elias he's a great teacher he's, he's definitely always got your back and like just motivating man like I can give a speech you know
2: I mean, do you remember I don't know if you were there that day, but we were the day there that day when he lined us all up and choked us out?
1: Yes, there was I was there that day. Yeah. I remember.
2: Dude, that shit was fucking crazy. Like yep. I never seen any shit like that before. Yep. You know what I mean? I think there was probably like there's probably like 30 people in class. And I was yep. towards the end. And I, I remember I, I remember
1: you. you. I remember Nick. I remember Manny that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brandon
2: was there. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, I was like, look because I was towards the end. And I was like, dude, I'm not letting this fucking guy choke me. This is bullshit. People are like convulsing. One motherfucker was like uh, foaming at the mouth. I'm like, yeah. dude, this is crazy. You know, that you can't do that shit nowadays because you got too many fucking pussies. I want to go complain about, oh, I'm not doing that. You know, it's just it's just something we did back then, dude. You know what I mean? We just did it.
1: Yeah, it was I feel like it was also like a testament of like, do you have this fear And it's also, do you trust this man? Because I did. You know what I mean? Like, it was one of those things where I was like, of course, it was crazy. Yeah, I don't know, man. There was something about that day. I I definitely won't forget that, man. He's
2: a good leader, dude. People, some people are like very charismatic and you want to follow them no matter what. And he's Mm -hmm. probably been the only guy like in my life that I kind of felt that way because I knew that he would, I mean, he trained with us too, like you're gonna you're gonna get that work, and he's gonna fuck you up. He's not mm-hmm. one of these trainers that like sit back and and don't roll with their students. He's
0: mm-hmm. the easy
2: reason why when me as a black belt, I roll with anyone. I don't give a shit who it is. You know right. what I mean? Because I feel like that's what you need to do. Like you can't hide behind your belt, dude. And a lot of people hide behind their belt, and and I don't like that shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got to get out there and show me while you're while you're a black belt. If you're a young dude and you don't have any major injuries, there's no reason why you shouldn't be rolling with your students. Pretty much every fucking day.
1: Yeah, if I, I agree out. with you, man. Hundred you know percent. Yep. I mean?
2: but nowadays they don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, it's if it, they, they they don't they don't get out there and show while they're a black belt. You know, but that's kind of why I shot away from jujitsu. I think it's I think it's bullshit now. I think it's filled with too many bitches. Everybody kissing ass for belts. It's just it's just pathetic right now. It Reminds me of karate, dude. It's and I'm almost embarrassed sometimes that I'm even a black belt, dude. I have this jiu-jitsu tattoo on my hand and sometimes I want to get it taken off because it doesn't mean anything nowadays when I got it it meant something to me
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
2: now it doesn't mean shit because everybody does jiu-jitsu like everybody you know whatever dude you'll never be a black belt like that's the sad truth is that I don't give a shit if you if you're pro jiu-jitsu right now and that's your whole life you'll never get a black belt dude that's just just the way it is
1: when and why do you think that happened
2: (sighs) Man, I think it started changing around, I want to say, within the last, like, seven to five years, I think now that people are getting paid to do jujitsu, like, Mm. and it just turned, it just turned into bullshit. Yeah, dude, I think, I think that getting paid for jujitsu and social media, like, it just, it makes people think they're better and bigger than they really are. So I think that was kind of the turn. You know, I got blue belts asking me to join their athlete page. Fuck you, dude. I'm not joining <laughs> your fucking blue belt athlete page. Are you fucking serious? You know what I mean? Get out of here, dude. Like shit like that. You know, yeah. so I think with, the, with the, the popularity of the social media, getting paid for jujitsu events, jujitsu people talking about I, I had three fights. Motherfucker, you didn't have zero fights because you didn't throw your fist.
0: Mm-hmm. You,
2: you, you rolled on the ground, you dry humped the motherfucker for, for six minutes. And now you're trying to tell me you fought?
0: Mm-hmm. you know what i
2: mean fight dude jiu-jitsu isn't a fight you know 20%. and uh, I mean, that's, a, that's a huge argument with people but jujitsu isn't a fight dude when i do jujitsu, i'm super calm like i could just chill
0: mm-hmm. when i'm
2: getting punched in my fucking face now i have to use different tactics i yeah. can't lay on my fucking back and and and, and do all that bullshit i gotta mm-hmm. get up i'm trying to get up i'm not trying to do jujitsu on the fucking ground for sure with a 280 pound man on top of me, you know what I mean? So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who out of all your training partners, all your experiences, who was the hardest fight you've ever had or hardest role?
2: When, like when you're a black belt and you're rolling on the mats, everybody's trying to kill you. You know what I mean? That That's one thing that you're not going to experience that shit unless you have a black belt. Everyone you roll with is bringing out their best shit, trying mm. to fuck you up. Mm. So it's just, I just feel like every role is 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 a fucking mundial role, you know. That's what I feel like, dude. Um, so I don't think anyone's been really harder than anyone else. It's just everyone tries to kill you. Okay. Now, as far as sparring goes, um, I did a lot of sparring with Joey Beltran. Now, if you've ever sparred with that guy, and people will, if they're listening, they've ever sparred with him, they know what I'm talking about. But dude's like a fucking Terminator. Like you can blast this motherfucker. You got He's the fucking bare knuckle champ. You see him, dude? Yeah. Eating, eating shots, coming forward like the Terminator. Like that shit is disheartening, dude. When you're when, when you're giving you giving them your best, you're you're hitting them with bombs, and the motherfucker's just like, nope, whatever. Keep coming forward. You're like, <laughs> fuck, dude. So I think him, him, he's probably one of the guys that like I like sparring him, but I don't like sparring him. Every yeah. time I come to San Diego, I hit him up. But like on my way there, I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm, I'm fucking in for a goddamn war. You know, like, <laughs> you with know, my friend, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's, uh, yeah. So him as far as sparring goes and jujitsu, fucking everyone, dude, everyone tries to kill you when you're a black belt. Mm, I can see that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. So what's funny is uh, I've never had problems with you, nor do I know anyone that's had problems with you, like personally. But it right. seems like a lot of people push you the wrong way. Why do you think that is?
2: I, I, just, I don't like posers, man. And in our community, it's, it's easy to be a poser, right? Because you don't really have to prove yourself, really, if, if you surround yourself with the right people. Mm. You know what I mean? So I feel like the, the thing about me is, is just keep it real, dude. Like, if you're a fucking buster, be that. Be a buster. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a buster. I know you're a buster. It's cool. But if you try to be something that you're not, that that's that's when I have a problem, dude. Because you know how it is. You put in work to fight. You put in work to be a black belt. You put in all this fucking work. And then you get some fucking poser that comes in. You know, it hasn't put in any work, but it's acting like he's put in all the work. Mm. And, and that's kind of what bothers me. I mean, I'm a cool dude. You know me, dude. I don't have no fucking beef with people. And I don't call people out unless I see fit and I've called a few people out and those people need to get called out dude I've called out three people and they need to get called out dude for their bullshit um and that's just how it is
1: so this would bring me to my next question is if you could fight anyone who would you fight
2: and why right now I need need to fight Hans Mollenkamp. why he's a fucking punk bitch poser right like Dominic Cruz basically said what I've been saying for fucking years, dude. Mm-hmm. But he he has the the platform to do so. I didn't have that platform. He did. And when he said it, I mean, my DMs were blowing up, dude. They're like, dude, you hear what Dom said? Yeah, I heard what he said, dude. I've been saying that shit for, for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, Hans Molenkamp is the the worst individual I know in the MMA game. He is a fucking poser, dude. So, so
1: tell, tell listeners how you might have met Hans. Like, how did it come to be? Yeah, tell the listeners your experience.
2: So, so this motherfucker sponsored me for, uh, for two fights. And he was always hard to get in contact with. But I used to get in contact with the, the other dude. His name is Mike. He doesn't work for Triumph United anymore. But he was the guy that I would deal with because he's the only guy he'd get in contact with. With, like, getting gear and shit like that. The, the fallout for, for, for what happened with me and Hans is that I have a friend who, who owns True Honor. You know True Honor, right? Mm-hmm. Bartia. Mm-hmm. Good friend of mine, dude. He had some gear that he wanted to give me, all right? And he's like, look, dude, come by my office. I'm going to give you some gear. And I'm like, cool, dude. So I go to his office. He laces me up, dude. Mad T-shirts, hats, fucking shorts. You know how they do it. Mm-hmm. I put a T-shirt on. I take a picture with the guy. Post it to my fucking Instagram. Here comes Hans's bitch ass telling me that I can't, I can't do that. I I can't wear Bardia shit because he has beef with Bardia. I'm like, look, dude, I don't give a shit what your beef is with Bardia. That's my fucking boy. He has his shirts fit me good, dude. I look fucking yoked in his shirt, so I love him.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I
2: mean? So uh, he was like, well, if 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 you don't take that down, then I'm not gonna fuck with you anymore. And I was like, well, fuck you then, dude. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't give me an no ult- ultimatum. I'm a fucking grown man. And it just so happened that I had a, a fight with Bellator that he had got me, right? He he, he takes the fight away from Bellator Ooh. and then blackballs me from Bellator. Ooh, yeah. Right? So that, that really, really upset me. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of started my hatred towards the guy. And then you see his social media where he's like, Acting like he's cool with all these people and shit. And it's like, look, dude, those people don't give do a fuck about you. The only people that defended that fucking clown are fools whose whole gym is laced up in monster. Mm-hmm. All right. The dude from CSA, oh, Hans is a great guy. Yeah, with fucking 50 monster bags in the background. Right. We <laughs> got Rampage. Oh, Hans is a great guy with the fucking monster. I think it's like it's a challenger. Um, it's like, come on, dude. Like this guy's a fucking clown and everything he's been accused of. He's fucking doing it, dude. You know what I mean? If you're in the fight community, you know this guy's a clown from way back, dude. Even when he got his black belt, dude, from Dean Lister. Are you fucking serious? I've never seen that dude in the gi one time. Yeah, it's
1: funny. So my experience with Hans is I only, I've only, like, seen him. He's been around. But my experience was, like, there'd be, like, a class I'd take training would be done maybe I roll around with like because I was always like trying to be like the last one off the mat I was like just one of my things yeah for sure and here Hans would come in like after it was always after class and it'd be like on a jujitsu mat and he would just basically like shadow box the whole time and it was always really weird I'm like why is this guy here And I've always just thought it was like weird because like especially where we were training I'm like this guy can do that downstairs, the next mat, all these different places. This guy's always coming after class. I'm like, why doesn't he just join us and come to class? That was just, like, my impression of him. Like, does why does this stop, guy do
2: that? Dude, like, yeah. I've never seen the guy in a gi, and he gets a black belt from Dean Lister, who also, who also is sponsored by fucking Monster. Like, mm-hmm. people aren't putting this shit together. He's a mm-hmm. buster, dude. I'll beat his fucking ass. I've said it on fucking social media. I was like, I will beat this motherfucker's ass. I will knock his ass out. No problem. You, you try to question mark kick with me, I'll fuck your shit up. He's always yeah. So, like, I've been calling him out for fucking years, dude. He always fucking pretends like he didn't hear it, but mm-hmm. he, he he knows, dude. He knows I called his ass out. And then he took that bullshit Muay Thai fight with the fucking, you know, the scrub of fucking North County MMA, you know, motherfucker looks like Homer Simpson, and he <laughs> knocks it in, and he, he beats this guy, and then he thinks that somehow makes him legit in the fucking community he has fucking rampage fucking all these monster guys in this fucking corner for that shit dude
0: mm-hmm.
2: like and you think that those guys came for free mm-hmm. you think tj is gonna come down and watch this scrub fight some fucking buster for free come on right. i mean and it, it's just crazy and now now if you go to his page he's like making fun of shit like he had a picture on it cuz this shit pops up on my instagram all the time and he has this picture of him like with his arm around someone and he's and he's making fun of what people are making fun of.
0: Mm. He's
2: trying to like own it now. Wow, you know, so okay. It's like no, dude, you're a fucking scrub and everyone knows. You've been exposed. You don't have any more pictures with people anymore because everyone knows you're a fucking scrub. You know, which they've known before, dude. You know, videos of him beating up real fighters and shit. Come on, dude. Yeah. And and then people are like, oh, Hans can fight. No, dude, he can't fight. Oh, <laughs> he, I don't give a fuck how many bats he breaks with his fucking leg. Doesn't make you a fighter.
0: Mm-hmm. You know
2: what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and you could—and and everyone listening to this shit, I will beat the shit out of that motherfucker. And you can pass that along, too. I hope he hears his shit. Oh, man, oh, I would love bats, for
1: dude. him to hear this. And I would love to see that fight happen.
2: That's dude, uh, I... everyone else, dude, like, fuck yeah. the fight with Dom. Dumb you, mm-hmm. dude, you, you, you I got first on that shit, homie. Like you can't you <laughs> can't cut line, dude. i been I was the first motherfucker to call that dude out. I got first on that fool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Do you think uh do you think as time goes on, you think there'll be more fighters
2: basically calling out Hans, just being like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think now it, it kind of ran its course. Okay, but, you know what I mean? Like initially it caught fire. You know how everything is on mm-hmm. social media, dude. It's the shit for like a week. And that's what he's banking on, dude. Like mm-hmm. he knows it's gonna go away until the next until the next scandal comes up. I mean, it's kind of dying off now, you know. So now that now he's sticking his head up to to see what's up. Mm. You know, what I mean, because he went he went dark for for a few weeks, um, and now he uh, you know, he's trying to stick his head up to see if everybody got love for him still. You know, I mean, if if I see that fool, it's pretty much on sight, dude. <laughs> you know what I'm if he sees me you better do an about face or be ready to fight dude i don't want I, i'm not talking to you like i've built up so much hatred for this fucking guy if i see him it's on site dude be ready to be ready to throw down dog when you mm-hmm. see me if you're listening to this hans when if you ever see me you better either turn around and fucking haul ass the other way but if you come my way be ready to get chin check dog because the bombs are coming <laughs> They're coming. God,
1: want to mess with? <laughs>
0: oh, shit,
1: man. Switching gears. So, if you were to fight for a particular cause, what would you fight for?
2: Oh shit, man. These are some deep questions, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like kids that had to deal with like domestic violence. You know, I think that's a huge. That was a, a part of my life growing up um and yeah I'd like to fight for something like that man or, or at least bring awareness to that because you I mean that shit fucks kids up man I mean I'm I came out all right but like I mean I'm still fucked up in a lot of ways and some if you have a kid who's not as strong as 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 I was then maybe you know they'll they'll choose the wrong road which a lot of a lot of them do unfortunately you know so that would probably be something I'd I'd like to look into
1: that's a great cause. I have two kids, my own, and uh, yeah, the man that hits me, yeah, for sure. I could even tell you have a guitar in the background. So I was going to oh, yeah, ask I you know. a little bit about that. Tell us about your musical inspiration. Like, when did you start playing?
2: I uh, it's funny because I wasn't I wasn't a boys' home when I was younger because I was getting in trouble with fighting shit. So I got I got sent to this boys' home. I think it had. I'm trying to think how many boys it had in there. Maybe like. 30 or 40 and there was like different wings and my roommate had a guitar and uh I was always in trouble even there um so I had to stay in my room a lot and I was like hey man can I play your guitar and he was like yeah dude you can play it so then I just started messing around with it and that's pretty much how I started playing and why I started playing out of boredom of being fucking locked in that room for (laughs) like you know when everyone's out there playing ping pong and shit so that's pretty much how it started.
1: Nice. And I know you have a little bit of a collection, it seems like.
2: Yeah, dude. Um, I actually got rid of some, but I have with me right now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guitars. And I'm actually getting a new one. I ordered a custom one finally after forever. And I've been waiting like two months. So I think it's gonna take another two months till it gets here. So I'm I'm pretty mm. stoked about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so uh do you have a favorite style to play?
2: I like neoclassical music. Okay. Like Ingalls Malmsteen, Tony Alpine, uh, guys like that, where it, it's like rock mixed in with classical music, mm. mainly from like uh, Beethoven, Bach, Paganini, Vivaldi, like all the shredders of that Baroque era, you know, those guys like that were on the violin, like just tearing it up. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's basically modeled after that, um, and it's 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 awesome to play, dude. It's very difficult, and it's uh, it's awesome to play for sure. Nice, nice. Do you have a a favorite maybe guitarist? My my man, that's a that's a hard one. Um, of all time, is probably Ingliy Momstein. Okay, um, because he's like the grandfather of neoclassical music. Like when he came out, like he changed the whole game when it came to guitar, like just how fast he picked and how clean it was. Like it's his old shit is fucking incredible um, because it changed the game. He's definitely my favorite, but now I have a couple other guys that are, that are up there for me. Luckily I get to take lessons from this guy named Al Joseph and he's really became another one of my favorite guitar players. Dude's nice. fucking smooth as fuck dude. So huh. for me to be able to take lessons from that guy is like, that's wild. Awesome dude. Like, yeah. it's like a dream come true.
1: Very cool, man. Very cool. So, if someone were to get into that what would you say what would you point them to is there like a song or anything that you would say like hey listen to this and like you'll get it
2: i'd say listen to Ingvy the scene was when he was in the band Alcatraz. like that that work on that album was like it's it's next level shit dude okay even even for for guys at this time it's just it's next level dude like And nowadays when you play guitar, like there's so much information available to you via the internet. Like Mm -hmm. you can look up how to do these techniques. This guy didn't have any of that. Like he Mm. just fucking did it, dude. And when you listen to what he does, you're like, holy shit. Like how did he figure that out? And and it's just crazy, dude, because yeah, those guys back in the, you know, before the internet time, they just did it because it felt right to them. You know, no one taught them anything. They're just like, this feels good. I'm going to do this. Um, so I think that's cool um, but yeah Alcatraz uh, the, their first album for for neoclassical guitar work is fucking insane
1: awesome all right cool cool I'll have to ch- check that out for sure all right here's another deep question for you a little bit Uh-oh. how would you like people to remember you
2: probably just just a dude that just kept it real man just you know a real dude like someone you can count on like if you're my friend like you're my friend man like I'll do anything for you it's like if you're like hey Russ, hey, let's go roll up on this guy and fuck him up. If you're my friend, I'm gonna do it and ask questions later. I'm not gonna be asking, oh, well, what did he do? Like, ugh. like, let's go, let's let's roll. I just want to be remembered as like that guy, man, and 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 willing to help people. I've always been willing to to lend my services to people for free. And and a lot of people don't like that. That's why kind of why I have beef with a dude up here because. He doesn't like the way I lend my services for free and he charges people and it's it's just bullshit. I, I don't I'm not trying to make a, a living off of it. I do it because I like it. I like to do it. I like to help people, I like fighting, I like jujitsu. So I want to share that with people. So probably just just that guy. Just keeping it real, you know, help helping people, you know, just shit like that. That's good. I mean, that's my impression of you, Russ. So that
1: that's pretty good, man. Yeah, man. Thanks. Appreciate All right. That. So this is a segment we do. It's called uh keep it or kill it. So I okay. basically just uh off the top, I'll just kind of give you a topic or something and you tell me keep it if you know you like it or kill it if you think it's ridiculous.
0: Okay.
1: All right. So we'll start off with uh leg locks, keep it or kill it. Keep it. Headgear while sparring. Uh, <laughs>
2: this is a hard one because I don't do that headgear. Um, i'm gonna say this about that okay I think if, if you're getting ready for a fight and you don't want to get cut for sure but headgear in itself isn't protecting you from head trauma i think that's a misconception mm. um and when i have and when people have headgear on i just hit them harder <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm saying so it's true
1: like, you know i i kind of feel that same way i'm like oh ah, good yeah that's true
2: yeah dude i mean it's for cuts it's not for head trauma dude yeah oh so, yeah if you have headgear on i'm fucking i'm dropping bombs on you so <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right keep it or kill it
1: worm guard <sighs> kill it dude that shit's whack <laughs> uh, all right keep it or kill it Position before submission.
2: Definitely keep that. All right. It's all about the position over submission, mm-hmm.
1: dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always feel that way, especially in terms of if you're ever thinking about MMA or a fight, yeah, you need to worry about that position.
2: Dude, I just asked, I just to- told someone about that, a guy that, uh, he's another guitar player, he just started jujitsu, like mm-hmm. last week. And he asked, he's like, I see you're a black belt in jiu like what advice could you give me? So I gave him all kinds of other advice, but I said position over submission. I was like, don't worry about submitting people right now, because if you can't keep them in that position, then you're not going to be able to submit them.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, and he, he didn't have any wrestling or anything. So I thought that was good advice from him. So that's funny. You brought that up
1: Fair. All right. Keep it or kill it. Gauntlet belt promotions.
2: got to keep, got to keep that dude shirt off, getting whipped by the belt. You, you got to keep, you got to keep that dude. Yeah, dude, I feel the same way. shit every belt except for black belt. But, yeah, dude, actually, you know what? No, I I did get wet when I got my black belt. Yeah, dude, you got to do that, man. (laughs) It's just part of it. It's like drinking fucking beer out of a shoe for Mm -hmm. for the New Zealanders, the rugby guys, dude. You got Mm -hmm. to keep that, dude. You can't go go 100% soft on this shit, dude.
1: Nowadays, yeah, man, you're seeing less and less of it. Yeah, it's different. It's different for sure. Girls,
2: too, dude. I had a I had a girl that I promoted to uh to blue belt. Mm-hmm. And I made her take her shit off. Yeah, everyone has to do it, dude. I keep that for sure. Nice. All right, keep it or kill it. Wrist locks. Well, yeah, keep it, man. It's 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 something that's like kind of old school. I mean, if you get caught in a wrist lock, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on, dude. Like, I mean, you get you should be keeping your wrist straight anyway, dude. Uh-huh. So I want to hit you with a fucking. If you got a limp wrist. You deserve to get a wrist lock, dude. I mean, I'm sorry. I,
1: I, I do find it one of the most like demeaning things
2: in dude, like it, combat. It's like, the worst, dude. The yeah. <laughs> you know, fucking wrist lock, dude. Like, and, and then you're like, fuck, like you know. What I mean, you're like, god damn it, you know? Uh, yeah, dude. I, there was this. I can't remember who it was. I used to roll with it. Paul Silva, dude, does wrist locks. Mm-hmm. I remember he was trying to wrist lock me one time. And I was like, dude, you still, you're still doing that shit. <laughs> you actually still do that. It was pretty, it was pretty funny. But yeah, <laughs> lock yeah, keep them, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, the first wrist lock someone did to me was uh, Fernando Margarita. He came in for a seminar, mm-hmm. and as soon as I grabbed his lapel, he wristlocked me. I was like,
2: what? It was yeah, like he like grabbed you and pull you into him. Dude, yeah, just that, yeah, yep, that
1: classic. I was like, I felt yeah, like dude. such
2: a fool, man. Like. <laughs> Dude, when I grab that shit, I fucking grab it tight, and I, I make sure my wrist is fucking straight and firm, dude. Yeah, now yeah. every
1: time it's like a punch now. Yeah, fuck that.
2: <laughs> yeah, dude, that that's super lame, dude. Oh, that's yeah, I'd be pissed off about that for sure. All right,
1: keep it or kill it. Tapping early in
2: training. Uh, for sure, dude. You know, especially if you're like in a heel hook or something, you know, or like you have a bad shoulder, like, dude. I, I'm all jacked up right now, so if someone, if someone You know, grabs me grabs my shoulder or something, I'll tap early. I don't give a shit, dude. Mm -hmm. Like I'm 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 trying to live the fight another day, man. Yep. You know, but some people even in training, they're like, fuck it, I'm not tapping. Like, cool, dude. Then you're gonna be out for fucking six weeks because you tore something. Yeah, people don't people don't think about that as much. They
1: only think about like right now. They don't really think like, Oh yeah, now I'm now now I'm gonna be out for a month. You're gonna miss more training.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. It's like an ego thing, I guess. I mean people say you know Mm. you know people don't have egos i mean everyone has an ego dude Mm -hmm. like i have a huge ego but i feel like i put in enough work to have an ego in certain things you know i mean so if someone says well you know train without ego nah dude fuck that i earned this fucking ego i'm gonna train with it if you don't like it then don't train with me but like I'm going to fight out of some things if I think I can, but now I think I'm at a level to where I understand what I can fight out of and how deep it is and how deep Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, but if it's in deep and someone has me in the fucking hill hook, I'm tapping, I'm yelping, I'm doing whatever the fuck I got to do. So they don't crank that shit, dude. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I'm
1: glad you mentioned that because like with egos. Yeah. I think you're right. Everyone does have one, but it's like one of those things where like, you can't hide behind it. Like if you have an ego, but you're willing to put your ego on the line and like train with anyone, then that's like like the right type because your ego is just kind of like that confidence that bravado you bring to like your game your like how you how you play but yeah it's a weird thing when people like train without ego and I'm like no you have to have some like you have to have like that confidence you know like yeah you, yeah it's it's a weird thing when people talk about like humility and I'm like it's not it's not black or white there
2: yeah yeah the whole being humble thing dude fuck all that dude like <laughs> you know what i'm saying seriously dude like i i've i've trained with fucking i've trained with champions in the ufc like mm-hmm. i've i've trained with the best jujitsu people in the fucking world you know i i'm not humble dude like i know what i'm capable of doing i'm not saying i could beat everybody's ass
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: what i'm saying there's probably guys that'll fucking destroy me i'm i'm fucking old now you know what i mean but i I know what I'm capable of doing, dude. And if I get my shit off first, I'm, I'm, I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <what> I'm going to <laughs> win. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. So
1: going back to keep it or kill it. Um, keep it or kill it. Drug testing.
2: Um, hmm, that's, that's a tough one, dude. I think what they mm-hmm. should do is they should have a league with people who juice and a league with people who don't juice. Mm. Um. Just because you – look, all right, I'm going to keep it real, dude. I've done – I've fucking slammed tons of steroids, all right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Back in the day, I was on the juice hard, dude. I ain't going to lie. But the thing that people don't understand is I could do as much juice as I want, but I'm not going to be able to hit a home run, Mm -hmm. right? I can do as as much juice as I want, but I'm not going to be able to deadlift a 1,000 pounds. Like, do you know what I'm saying? You have to have – the mechanics and shit already down for it to for it to work and most of the time people do steroids for recovery especially yeah. in mma and shit it's yep. for recovery it's it's not to get big and big and strong you know so i think it's, they should just have two different leagues if you want to juice cool you know juice over here if you if you don't want to juice like like uh drug-free bodybuilding if you want to mm-hmm. go over here and be a little bitch and drug-free Cool. Mm-hmm. If you want to turn into a fucking Hulk over here and, and fight MMA, do it, dude. You're all on the same playing field.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, point. They have
2: that
1: in powerlifting, too. They have like different leagues for a drug testing or not. Yeah, I've always kind of liked that. Yeah,
2: Yeah, dude. Yeah. The, body, bodybuilding, powerlifting, all that shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one's no one's deadlifting fucking a thousand pounds. That's not yeah. drug free, dude. I'm sorry. No one's benching a 1, thousand pounds. It's not drug free. Mm-hmm. It's just that's just how it is. And they say shit about like John Jones and shit being on steroids. I I fucking hate that guy as a human being. Mm -hmm. But as a, as a, as a fighter, he's fucking awesome. Do I think he would have still did the same shit to people on steroids as he did off hundred percent, dude? I'm with you hundred percent on that. Yeah. He he (laughs) comes from a long, his his dad needs needs to bust as much nut as he can. And sell it, dude, because he's produced some fucking style, <laughs> dude. You know what I'm saying? His two brothers in the NFL, John Jones. Yeah, he dude. Needs sell, he needs to sell his fucking nut for like 20 grand a pop, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: all
2: right, let's see what else I got. Let's
1: say keep it or kill it. Cups while rolling.
2: Dude, fuck yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. You got to keep that, man. Like, I've been fucking nailing the nuts. So many times. I used to not wear a cup. You know what I mean? And dude, I wear one all the time now. Roll anything, anything where like like in contact with someone else, I'm wearing a fucking cup, dude. Like I've been racked too many times, dude.
1: I hear you. Same
2: here. (laughs) 100% keep that. If someone says kill that, there must be like a female or something, dude. All right. Keep it or kill it. Combat jujitsu. That shit's whack, dude. Um, <laughs> that's just whack as fuck because most of those guys who do combat jujitsu are just jujitsu guys and they're not even slapping the shit out of each other. Like they're not, they're just doing jujitsu.
0: Mm-hmm. You know
2: what I mean? So if you're going to do combat jujitsu, put MMA gloves on and basically do no gi with punches. You yeah, I mean? yeah. That's combat jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Slapping a motherfucker in the face.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That ain't combat jiu-jitsu, dude. Like, because like I said, they don't even, they don't even smack people. Put the fucking MMA gloves on and go fucking, basically ground and pound yes
1: yeah, so that was my first as soon as i heard combat jiu-jitsu i'm like oh sick they're gonna wear like gloves i'm like that's kind of like close to
2: mma like all,
1: all yeah. right that's kind of cool and then i saw it was just open hand striking and i'm like why
2: well it's because so you know it's kind of like how eddie bravo did the whole you know what's that thing he does the um ebi ebi mm-hmm. it's, it's for his guys dude mm-hmm. it, it, it's for his his guys you know, and I feel like the combat jiu-jitsu was for his guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, you know, your 10th planet system is supposed to be good for MMA. It's fucking bullshit, dude. Like, it's not, dude. Unless you're flexible as fuck. Mm-hmm. It, it's not. It's I don't think it's good. I couldn't do it. I can't do that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, when I see heavyweight guys talking about, you know, throwing up 10th planet sounds, I'm like, dude. Can you even touch your fucking kneecaps? Because <laughs> if you can't, then doing that shit is 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 ridiculous. And they don't they don't know how to pass guard. They don't learn, you know, they just go for straight leg locks all the time. Every mm-hmm. time I roll a plenty of they're diving on my fucking legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, because it's the easiest thing to do. Now, if you were setting up the, the leg lock or for the guard pass, cool. But right you, you got wiped, i got wiped those diving from my fucking legs you <laughs> know what i mean it doesn't make any sense dude it's like you don't know what you're doing dude uh-huh you know so yeah dude fucking kill that shit that shit's whack as fuck dude
1: yeah yeah i've always thought about that too if like if you're learning this
2: for the purpose of self-defense
1: even just a little bit i've always thought with like leg locks it's like if you're throwing a leg lock up from bottom you're still gonna get smashed a bit
2: Dude, hundred percent. Yeah, and especially if like you're you're not doing
1: MMA, like the guy's just gonna heal you to the face or something, you know? Like,
2: and if you're doing MMA, you're you're catching hammer fists and your shit. Yeah, yeah. You got. I think you gotta learn the basics before you start. You know, throwing up a leg lock before you learn how to pass guard. I mean, Mm. that's where we're at now, right? That's where Mm -hmm. we're at.
0: Mm -hmm. You
2: know, if I've been a couple ten planet classes, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's it's predominantly leg locks, and there's really no guard passing going on and yeah dude nothing against the planet dude do your thing Mm -hmm. but it's just not for me you know
1: yeah that's funny because like i've been told that because you know like i'm longer and lankier i'm pretty flexible but my style i get well to other people they're like you have such a smash style game it's like off-putting from you you know well yeah like I don't think I have a smash style <laughs> in my head. I don't try to say this, but in my head, I'm like, that's ah, because you, your style is just so like artsy. You don't like, you it's don't learn. And shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And look I'm, cool. I'm always
1: like, no, my style is not smash. You're just, you know, being a pussy about this right
2: now. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants to look cool. Everybody wants to learn the crazy ass moves instead mm-hmm. of learning armbar bar from fucking guard. They mm-hmm. want to do the fucking worm guard they want to right, do that right. shit that only works for the motherfucker who who named it that and who mm-hmm. does it it works mm-hmm. great for that guy you know that there's so much it's like information overload dude you go on you know uh youtube and you type in you know jujitsu techniques and it's a whole bunch of shit and i can only imagine being someone new to be able yeah. to skip through all that bullshit because 95 percent of it is garbage dude yeah
1: Straight yeah up, that, that, dude. that's usually what i try to relate to people i'm like really like Put weight on people, get heavy because like, it's not just a means of like, like trying to like be mean to the guy, but it's also your means of like trying to read them. Like if I have all my weight on a guy, I know exactly where he's shifting. So I know what to move to next. You know, I think a lot of guys today are missing that they're doing like all this, everything's so disengaged. And I'm like, you don't feel what the guy's doing. You don't know.
2: Yeah, dude. Or you, you let off pressure one way. So that guy goes the other way. Mm-hmm. right you are setting them up for shit like mm-hmm. you can straight smash them or you could let off a little bit because you know they're gonna react right you know? that that's that's something that's missing nowadays from what i see dude like i don't honestly dude i don't even i don't even train regular jiu-jitsu anymore mm-hmm. i haven't for fucking many years dude mm-hmm. because i'm just i'm tired of it dude i'm tired of the people i'm tired of just the message that's that's being put out about it dude it's like these jiu-jitsu guys really think they're fucking hard Right, you saw what happened when Gordon Ryan smacked shit out of out You see what yeah. he did, right? He didn't do shit. You know why? Because he's a fucking pussy, dude. That's You're not crazy. gonna smack yeah. me. You're not gonna smack me in front of my students, my fucking girl, fucking Jesus and everybody else, and like, get away with that shit, dude. Like we're fucking fighting, dog. I
1: don't Yeah, do dude. Even if us. it's me and one other person, like just me and that other person in the room, like a slap
2: is like that's immediate. If Nganu smacks me in my fucking face, dude, I'm fighting that motherfucker. <laughs> I don't give a shit, dog. We fighting. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. And then, and then he puts out some fucking uh, statement in Portuguese, right? So you, you don't even know what the fuck he's saying. <laughs> I don't speak that shit, dude. Like, you need to put that shit out in English. So, yeah, dude, I mean, that that's 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 jujitsu summed up. Mm. I'm going to walk around with my chest poked out. Right. Where my tight shirts and jujitsu changed my life. Bullshit, which I fucking hate, by the way, Jitsu mm-hmm. changed my life. Asahi bowls, all this other fucking bullshit. And then this fucking dude smacks you in your fucking shit and you don't do anything, dude. Not mm-hmm. once, but twice. This motherfucker smacked that fool twice mm-hmm. in the face, dude. Like you got to die at that point. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to try to kill you at that point. You know what I mean? How can you go back to your school and face your fucking students knowing that you got smacked twice in your face and you didn't do anything. Yeah. And you want to talk about like honor and turn the other cheek. Nah, dude, you could, tr- you could try to use it as you were being a better man and you weren't mm-hmm. expecting him to smack the shit out of you because you are Andre Galvão and you're fucking this after the, the other. That's why you didn't think he was going to smack the shit out of you. And he mm-hmm. did. And, mm-hmm. t- and at that day, I became a Gordon Ryan fan, dude.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm a fan of that motherfucking man. Now, and I hope he smacks the shit out of somebody else, too. You think they have a throw down? Nah, dude. No, nah. I, I don't think they will. I mean, they have the opportunity right there. I know, I know. You know I mean? But
0: I
1: don't right know. There. Maybe, maybe like everyone's talking about them having a grappling match. But in my head, I'm like, after that slap, I'm like, they just need to fight.
2: Yeah, so fucking fight. Match. See, these jujitsu guys kill me with this shit. Oh, let's yeah. just grapple. <laughs> Let's just grapple. No, dude. Yo, if fight. you smack me in the fucking face, we fighting, dog. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not pulling guard. I'm not diving for <laughs> your fucking legs. I'm punching you dead in your fucking shit, dude. Mm-hmm. As many times and as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they're never gonna fight, dude. Gordon Ryan is is he's hot right now. There's no one that can beat this guy.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, what I
2: mean, I'm not even really in, up to grappling and shit like that, but from what I've seen, there's no one on this fucking planet that can beat that guy right yeah.
0: now. Yeah, he's, so. he's
2: the best grappler in the fucking world. Mm-hmm. And if, if him and Andre Galvao grappled, he'd fucking smash Andre Galvao. I don't give a fuck what anyone says.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm tempted to believe that, too. And I know, like, Gordon said he wants to get into MMA or he started training MMA or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, and I think Andre has had MMA fights before, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
2: he, he actually fought Tyron Woodley. I think he fought Tyron Woodley. Really? And got fucking beat up. So I think that, of course, so that, was, that was the end of his MMA career. Like, people were like, well, Andre, he can fight. No, he can't fight, dude. He can't yeah. fight. He doesn't yeah. train to fight. How are you going to yeah. fight when you don't train to fight? Just because you're a black belt, you can fight? Nah, dude. Mm-hmm. I think in order to get a black belt, you need to have at least two professional MMA fights. That's what I think across the board, to yeah. get a black belt. I'm with you. For me, like I,
1: I guess we're just old school in that mentality because in my head, I'm like, People have taken sport jujitsu into this whole other realm, but I'm like, you got to remember what jujitsu was made for, you the know. Root. Like, be
2: pure to the source, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't defend that ain't jujitsu. That's why they cracked me up with this this whole fucking honor and respect shit. If you go back to the graces, what they do, they dojo storm motherfuckers, right? They went around beating the fuck out of anybody, being basically their hooligans. Mm-hmm. And you want to tell me to to, to fucking respect and respect and all this other fucking bullshit you're talking about dude that's not the roots of jujitsu motherfucker the roots of jujitsu are fucking fighting and proving that shit that's why Horace gracie was in the UFC right that's why they picked they picked him instead of instead of Hickson because Horace looks like a little bitch unassuming and they wanted to prove that fucking jujitsu was the best fighting art dude. Mm-hmm. So it's not about respect. If it wasn't for Horace Gracie we we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation about jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what
1: it is. And then that's what I've always tried to kind of relay people. That's what I try to do with the podcast and stuff too, is like, I, I want people to remember like what jujitsu's intent was. And just in general, like that like that fighting mindset. Um, uh, there's something about that. Uh, I think it's missing a lot today. And that's why I want to have guys like you on because uh, we need more of you. We need We need more of these guys. Because even when I train with like these new age guys, again, they're like, you have such a smashing style. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't.
2: Dude, like, like what, what are you trying to do here? Like, we're supposed to be connected. Like, yeah, dude, yeah.
0: I'm supposed
2: they're
1: to. A- they're asking me questions about, like, cross spaces and stuff. And I'm like, well, how do you train? I'm like,
2: what? <laughs> you put in my form in someone's throat is the first thing I do, whether yeah. I'm in the side control or half guard. Mm-hmm. First thing I do, dude. So, like, if you're not used to that kind of shit, of course you're going to tap. And I'm going to be labeled mean and shit. But, dude, that's All how right. I'm fucking trained, dude. I'm putting my form on your fucking throat, dude. If you don't like it, move. few more keep it or kill okay. it. That, that's yes, another we're...
1: one. Neck cranks.
2: Keep it, dude. Yeah, hell yeah. Neck, neck crank, cr- choke, same thing to me. Yeah, I've always thought that. I've always
1: found it funny when people, like, when you're choking them and they're like, oh, that was a crank. So <laughs> like, you tap? That's what I always say. I'm like, it's still a tap, though, right?
2: Yeah, prank <laughs> a joke, same thing to me, dude. I, I'm, I'll prank the shell of someone's neck, I don't give a damn.
1: Yeah, it's always in my head, I'm like, well, you let me do that then, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep it or kill it, Quintet. Are you familiar with Quintet? Uh, what
2: the hell is that?
1: Quintet is, um Sakuraba made like a five-on-five type of grappling format. So it's basically like this five-on-five team, and the team has to, like, the team has like a total body weight so you can mix it up in terms of like big guys small guys whatever right. and and the grapplers go against each other one-on-one and the loser comes off and so it's basically the best of like you know these five fighting oh they're just grappling, grappling? yeah they're just grappling but it's kind of like this team aspect where Any if, it goes, if it goes to time limit they both get eliminated
2: so is it so the, the weights are mixed
1: yeah so i think it's something like I don't know. Like the team limit is like there's five people, and I want to say, geez, I think it's like 300 kilos that the five people combined have to weigh. But right. yeah, it's I mean, something like that. That's
2: pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool, you have cool.
1: sometimes a guy that's like big versus a guy that's small. Yeah, um, I mean, and it's just I like that. yeah, and it's kind of uh, this setup where it's like it reinforces like going for the tap because if it goes the time limit, both guys are eliminated. They're out.
2: Yeah, I, I'd keep that. That that seems, that seems pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, to, yeah, it's pretty I'd cool. And I think uh,
1: Sakuraba just started doing it, like, last year or something. I'm like, oh, that that's kind of cool. I want to see different body weights go against each other. And then it also kind of, like, I, you know, like, I saw some guys that, like, only, like, they weigh, like, 140 going against a guy that's, like, you know, like, 220. And so, basically, the 140 guy's job is just to survive to the time limit that both get eliminated you know and i'm like oh that's kind of cool
2: i mean that that's the real shit dude
1: yeah yeah you
2: know, the only reason that the ufc had weight limit has weight limits is because they wanted to take it mainstream mm-hmm. like do you know what i'm saying like it should be no weight limits dude mm-hmm. i mean i think that'd be fucking awesome because that really proves who the fucking who what techniques work and and who's the fucking shit Hundred you know? percent. you know that yeah. still never happened but i think yeah. It's cool.
1: <laughs> uh yeah All right. Well, I mean, that that finishes up. Um, That was awesome. You want to tell us about where people can find you, stuff like that?
2: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm basically just on uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, You can find me at uh, the real server back zero three one three. Most of my shit's, you know, guitar playing. Um, But uh, yeah, I got some fight shit on there, but mostly just guitar playing.
1: All right. All right. You training at any gyms now or whatever you teaching right now?
2: I'm actually just training at my house. Like, okay. Uh, me and my chick just basically built a facility here. Oh, we sweet. Have a, we got a half cage in the back. We have a room Ooh. inside for grappling. We got like uh, a pool that we built with like tie pads around it that so you can kick it and hit it and everything. Um, Hell yeah. We have weights. Fucking every, it's like a whole facility here, dude. Damn. Um, so this is pretty much where I train right now. The only time we need to go somewhere is if we're going to spar.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet, man. That's, man. that's 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 a good living right there. I love that.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. You don't have to go anywhere. You just have people come over. Yeah. Work, you know what I'm saying? Oh, so yeah. yeah, dude. That's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Once things really start to open up, I'm, I'm probably gonna, you know, travel around like I always do mm-hmm. to get work at different gyms. And then, you know, that's just what it is right now.
1: Cool, man. Cool, man. Yeah. yeah dude. So yeah, thanks for reaching out. Um. Uh, well, thanks again, man. I appreciate the time. It's always good talking to you. Hope to run into you sooner than later again. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks, man. All right. Have a good rest of the day, Russ. Take it easy, homie. All right. Later. All right. So that was the interview with Russ. It was lots of fun. Uh, Anoop, you couldn't be there for it. But uh, tell me some of your thoughts on the interview after hearing it now.
3: Yeah, it was really nice hearing this professional fighter give his unfiltered views on fighting in general, in and out of the cage, but also his views on jujitsu and kind of how much he hates where jujitsu is going <laughs> and talking about the pussification of jujitsu. And uh, I think people will be shocked to hear that, right? Cause he's like a black belt. So how do you get so good at something and then kind of hate something but I feel like that's the only way to truly hate something once you really understand it fully. And I think Mm. there's like waves in this. And so like, for me sometimes like, yeah, like as a teacher, I hated all the teachers that I used to have, but now I like teaching, but I also hate my students. (laughs) And so it's like you get better at it and you hate things. So uh, yeah, that was like the thing that stood out the most for me and just how he was just such a raw, real person. That's what it was always
1: remembered for is that like how honest he was. I remember there would be like times on the mat, you know, someone came in from work in their street clothes or something like that. And right away, he'd be like, yo, dog, you really seriously wearing that? You know, like he was very like just upfront and like honest. (laughs) And it was always funny. Everyone appreciated that because like there was nothing. You're never going to have beef with Russ and not know it. He's not going to be like passive aggressive about it. So (laughs) that's what I always appreciated. He was always funny. Um, and I think he just an old school guy. I I relate because, like, I trained with him at the same time. I appreciate, I guess that just happens with every generation, really. We're just like this new generation doesn't get it. There's always like something a little bit lost, like they take it and they almost like make it their own thing. But it's like, no, don't forget like what your forefathers did here, like what its purpose is, what its source is meant to be, you know? So uh, I relate because I think sport jujitsu is, um, kind of sad because it's like not really fun to watch you're definitely not going to get anyone outside of jujitsu watching that but you know what if i grab up a hoist gracie tape and show someone that never fought before that they're going to be enthralled by it and i'm like yeah that's jujitsu you
0: know Mm. and i think think
3: no i feel the same i'm a 150 pound 510 like i'm a smaller person the reason i do do jujitsu and I train sambo and like some MMA, it's because we might need a self-defense situation. You know, if you end up in a situation where you're getting into a fight, I'm not going to dive for your ankles, you know, and try to like sweep you that way. Like I have to be able to stand up. I have to be able to protect myself from a punch. And then I want to be able to wrestle you to the ground. And then I want to be able to maintain position. And so, I mean, we should be learning everything because like legs do have some value and like moving your hips and being able to defend and like understanding the whole body. But uh, yeah, I agreed with where Russ was going. And yeah, I like his feedback of like a little bit of that old school nature and what was the purpose of learning it. And another thing that I liked about Russ too, like, you know, he dives a little bit into like his personal interests, like some of his like difficult background growing up. And from the fighter breakdowns we've shown, this is all in theme. You know, a lot of these people had somewhat tough, histories. And then they were able to then use that toughness to then propel themselves to something better. Mm. And, and I think we're always going to keep seeing this theme for as long as we do this podcast. And I think like Russ was an example of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Was there anything that surprised you about Russ?
3: I'm always surprised when these huge monster people also play guitar and like, like neoclassical like
1: music. Yeah, dude, if you check out his Instagram, he's good.
3: It just shows that there's a lot of depth to these people. And I think uh, just on our Instagram, I made a post today. It was a quote from Plato, where he said, uh, if you're only an athlete, you're too vulgar, you're too brutish. And if you're only a scholar, you're too weak and soft. You have to be both. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, when you learn a little bit about people like, oh, yeah, like they're playing music, like they have these other like interests, passions, like things that they would fight for outside of the ring. Yep. Like you, re- you realize, oh, these people have so much depth.
0: Mm-hmm. And so that was something
3: that surprised me. I think one of the things our listeners will also be interested in was his view of Hans Molenkamp and your experience also at Hans Molenkamp. And Hans Mollenkamp got famous again when Dominic Cruz called him out after his last victory. Mm-hmm. And so fill some tea on that. And his, and I guess that's related to some of his ideas on jujitsu and how it's changing. And I thought that was quite fascinating as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's funny because he had been saying this for years before mm-hmm. Don even came into the picture there. So yeah. Yeah, it's interesting what you know about fighters or sometimes what can be swept under the rug for a long time by a lot of people. Yeah. I'm glad he illuminated us a little bit on that.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, it's not even about fighting, but like how many times do you hear stories about like people like you know he, bill cosby like you know mm-hmm. like serial assaulter and then it's like dude everybody kind of knew about it but nobody really does anything we live in this like world sometimes that's like in limbo and i think partially that's why i'm liking these fighters and i think maybe the more you train the more confident you are in expressing yourself but i feel like mm. we need more people expressing these things so it doesn't just keep going on and on and on and hurting how many people <laughs> like get it out there in the open right away like Mm-hmm. You deal with the, if Russ is the second person that something like this happens to, like it won't go on, you know? <laughs> like unfortunately, like it did happen to Russ, but then economics and other things come into play where people are like, well, "Well, let me still be friends with, but hopefully we can get some of it out there that maybe this is a little bit who Hans is.
1: Yeah, it's, it's what a shame, too, to like get that petty about a deal, too. Pons like saying, no, you can't rep that brand or I'm going to pull everything away from you. I can't imagine one brand or one sponsor having exclusive deal with you, right? And if they did, then they would give you like everything, right? Like, I, I don't know, like...
3: You should be paid a lot. And if you are exclusive, you should be treated with respect instead right. of like, not like, oh, this is exclusive because you're my bitch kind of. And then, right. yeah. Do the right thing, Hans, you know, (laughs) take care of people instead of forcing them to be like a pawn.
1: That is definitely wild, man. And of all the people to kind of threaten is like, Russ is literally like the last person on my
3: list. I have no doubt all the old school MMA practitioners, or at least even the old school mentality practitioners Mm -hmm. are going to love this interview with Russ. And hopefully uh, we could even get some people like train with him and like learn some of his skills and tactics and yeah for sure
1: you heard he's a very giving person this guy would basically teach people for free just because he likes doing it and uh Mm -hmm. you're not going to really find any black belts that do that let alone old school black belts or accomplished fighters like him
3: and and i think that's partially because of uh like you said he grew up in a difficult situation one of the slight things that i didn't love about like when i learned about the gracies was you know they were like a lot more geared towards teaching people that had money you know and you needed money to learn and then like you learn like that there were some people that would then just teach the poor people in the favelas and then sometimes they would compete against each other and they're equally good I mean the Gracies needed to do what they needed to do and obviously we wouldn't have the UFC and they are the most maybe important family in martial arts but I do like to see more people like Russ that are gearing towards like these people that don't have anything or might not have as much. And let me teach them. Like, mm. to me, that's like, that's like the Kung Fu martial arts, you know, like the stuff that we watch in the old days, you know, you go mm. to a school and you sweep, you know, and <laughs> you don't even know how to fight. But you suffer for like a month and then they teach you everything. Right.
1: I admire yeah. that. Yeah. it's kind of how it was old, old school back then. Like, I feel <laughs> like, schools made you kind of pay your dues in order to prove you were enough to be a student there where like now it's all about like kind of money so it's like they just want to keep you there as much as possible where like the old days was like no we need only good training partners (laughs) that are committing and stuff so it was interesting like i definitely felt way more tested back then first but it was like paying your dues it's like uh you know, I mean, some people can kind of get into like, what does it mean to haze someone? But there is a part of that, like with fraternities and brotherhood, there's an interesting line to draw on what constitutes as unnecessary or harmful or as bonding and necessary. Um, Yet yeah, to me, it's not so black and
3: white. It's not black and white at all, right? And mm-hmm. my very first class was with the Bellator fighter, Brad Desir, and, he, and it was like six of us. And he goes, all right, three of you take off your shirts. The other three have shirts, spar. And I'm like fighting this kid from the projects, And it was my first day. Fuck, this kid looks like a fighter, you know? And I'm like, I, ha- I hadn't I had done anything since like Taekwondo <laughs> since I was younger. So like, and I did throw a decent back kick just cause it created separation, but I did well. And a part of me was like, okay, I survived. and. I'm in it, then like, I'm going to always train. And I always knew I wanted to continue training, but for some people they might've been like, oh my God, I got punched in the face. I don't want to train anymore. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like some people, once they get hit in the face and then they realize, oh, it wasn't that bad. Then it's like, let me just go back in, you know? And so it's like what you're saying, like some people might be phased by it, but I think the point of martial arts is that it's supposed to be hard. Right. And so like to me, like get like hates people a little bit and then it becomes a brotherhood and then you kind of love each other a little bit more.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I mean, we're not doing anything. We're not like branding each other and stuff, you know, like, I mean, Russ and I have been through some crazy shit for sure. Was it all necessary? Some of it? No, some of it? Yes. So it's interesting to see it through today's lens.
3: Like when I pledged the fraternity, like I remember so many people like, you know, you go away to college and you want to make friends. And some people are like, I would never pledge a fraternity. Like they make you do stupid stuff. Why do they make you do stupid stuff? And I was always like that. Yeah, why? It's so stupid. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm pledging with like five, six other people. And, you know, like one of the things we had to do, it's like six of us in a row, you know, by size order. And they give you a blender full of like gross shit, like mustard, mayo, spinach, everything. And then they're like, by the time it gets to the end, it should be done, you know? So mm. like they hand it to you, I start drinking and then you pass it over by the end, it should be done. And most people be like, that's stupid, what do you learn? You will learn so much about the person that's on the first in line. Because mm-hmm. if the person that's first in line chugs half of it, everybody else now knows, holy shit, I don't even have to drink that much. They just set the tone,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
3: And if the first person drinks just like a sip and passes it, you're like, you're a bitch. And you're going away to college, so you don't really know these people. So how do you get to know these people? Mm-hmm. By forcing suffering. And yeah, but it's also like, de- like
1: that also illuminates, like, their decision-making process, too. Like, how – how, and it's also like there's nothing wrong about that, right? Like, you're still consuming food, right? Yeah, it's not palatable, but they're not, like, poisoning <laughs> you. They're not, you know? So, right. So th- th- that's what's interesting is, like, when people are like, oh, like, where they draw the line is interesting like if there's no harm being done then maybe it's okay
3: guys you know yeah exactly they would make us box each other a little bit like toughen Mm -hmm. you up it's like college backyard stuff like um but yeah like there's got to be a thing and so i feel like yeah russ seemed like one of those people that was like you know make it tougher you know like (laughs) make it harder it's gonna see how these people also like diverge slightly in their beliefs but the similarities in their beliefs and their Mm -hmm. perspectives because it's also not a monolith none of these people are monoliths and I think Mm -hmm. we do that sometimes with sports like oh those are football jocks or you know rugby guys you know where it's like like oh yeah MMA guys I feel like MMA guys might have maybe like the most well-roundedness out of all the athletes you know sometimes like where you get like tech engineers and you get like kind of
1: by design you have weight classes so you have a huge array of like Mm. size of people then the style of fighting can be different so you can have like stout thick guys or long lanky guys like grapplers or strikers different countries like yeah this is like as much as the human race will vary great point
3: great point because as a five six person it might be almost impossible for you to become a professional basketball player. Like there's three, Mm -hmm. you know, like that have done it. But as a five, six person. If you got into MMA and wrestling, you use that leverage to your advantage. Like you're a beast. Like it's just like, you just have to know how to use your own body. Like there are people like you that exist and consistently succeed.
0: Not even like once in a while. Yeah. Great point. Great point.
1: Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy fighting.